You know, in this time of medical uncertainty, it's very hard to stop and just appreciate the fact that we have medical facilities to fight this virus at all. Let me tell you guys a story. Let me take you back to South Africa, 1996, Johannesburg. It was the day after Christmas, and Kempton Park Hospital closed its doors to the public, citing a shortage of medical staff, promising it was not a permanent closure and it would reopen soon. Just weeks later, the staff was informed of their terminations and told to evacuate the premises with all their personal property, and they were not coming back. The government threw up a fence and established security around the property, and since that day, it has not been reopened. What happened to cause an entire hospital to be left to rot and deteriorate while the community struggled to find medical treatment? Let's find out. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. When Kempton Park Hospital was first opened in 1978, it was a state-of-the-art facility. It was nine stories high and housed 350 beds. It was meant to provide medical assistance to its community for at least 100 years. But unfortunately, the life expectancy of the hospital was cut short after a sudden and unexpected permanent closure in 97. The hospital only lasted 19 years. Staff employed at the time just as clueless as the public on why the hospital shut, uh, were interviewed and were simply told to collect personal belongings and evacuate the building. The hospital then locked their doors, never to be opened again. So check this out. The South African government spends 1 million rand. Using today's exchange rate, it would be about $68,000 a year in taxpayers' money to protect the location, which still houses 10 million rand, which is approximately 682,000 American dollars, worth of equipment and facilities. Okay, so they're spending $68,000 a year American money to protect $682,000 worth of equipment. Okay, many citizens believe that that money is better used elsewhere, it could be used to improve and better equip the other still operating and overcrowded hospitals in and around Johannesburg, for one. That's actually a pretty good suggestion. <laughs> there was no evidence of the hospital having some kind of outbreak or emergency on the property that would create a cause for immediate and permanent evacuation or abandonment. So what could have caused the hospital to just be up and abandoned on that day? Why was none of the equipment allocated and utilized why was it just left to rot? And although we can't be certain why the hospital closed up shop, one piece of its history may be a very big contributing factor. For instance, a man by the name of Andre Esterhusen, who was employed as a pediatrician, nonetheless, at Kempton Park Hospital in 1990, was found to be a high school dropout with no doctoral or any other qualifications in the medical field. In May of 1992, he was sentenced to 18 years in prison at the age of 41 for charges related to culpable homicide, impersonating a doctor, and defrauding patients. He worked as a, quote, pediatrician from 1982 to 1990 in Johannesburg, according to his testimony. He told another doctor he was a doctor 
And that man gave him a job. Simple as that. Guys, this is like some Frank Abagnale shit. If you don't, if you've never seen the movie Catch Me If You Can, um, that's a real story. That guy impersonated pilots, doctors, lawyers, incredible. And just with charisma and just speech, he would just win these people over. It's it's incredible. And it seems like this gentleman did the exact same thing. Uh, he did not forge credentials. So why was no one ever charged employing this person? That's what blows me blows me away. It's like his employer should have also been charged, right? Anyways, Esther Hewson reportedly had a high IQ and studied medical books to be able to diagnose and treat patients. Well, check this out, though. Let's just, let's just hard pause here for a minute. He was there from 82 to 90. He was there for eight years impersonating a doctor. He had to have gotten some of this shit right. I mean, am I wrong to assume that? Or maybe he was just, I mean, not to say he didn't get a lot of shit wrong. I really think this guy has a lot to do with this hospital shutting down. Because think about it. It's not entirely his fault. It's also the responsibility of the staff and the senior doctors at the hospital to check this doctor out. Don't you see, this could easily be a lawsuit against this whole hospital, and that is, that in its is grounds enough to shut this whole damn thing down. Can't sue a hospital that doesn't exist, right? So anyways, this guy was bullshitting people, studying medical books, and diagnosing patients. Esther Hewson was later able to establish his own practice and eventually came to be employed at Kempton Park, where his career, <clears throat> quote-unquote, would come to an end. Staff began to question Andre's qualification after kids would come in healthy and slowly deteriorate under his care, believe it or not. They also witnessed his practicing theoretical procedures, meaning he was essentially experimenting on children. And he knew nothing. <laughs> One mother told the court that her baby developed cerebral palsy at just four years old after Esther Hewson performed four lumbar punches on her. Four! Most surgeons are nervous about lumbar and spinal column surgeries. Can you imagine this guy, the fucking balls on this guy, to do four lumbar punctures on a four-month-old baby. Unreal. Another woman testified that her daughter was born healthy but fell ill a month later. She was diagnosed with meningitis and referred to Mr. Esterhausen, uh, he confirmed the first doctor's diagnosis, and the girl was put on oxygen. Okay, then Esther Hewson later went to put the girl on a drip of some sort, and did so by making a small incision in the baby's abdomen, because he said he couldn't find a vein. As a result, the girl's lungs collapsed. No shocker there. This man wanted to give her some sort of drip, uh, I don't know what it was, pain medication, whatever, but he chose to give it through her chest. He killed this little girl. The baby was transported to Johannesburg Hospital two days later, where it was discovered that she had suffered brain damage as well. The little girl would go on to die as a result of kidney failure. Well, yeah, if nothing in your body is getting oxygen, especially your brain and kidneys... I don't think you're going to live very long. 
it just blows my mind, y'all. That same year, 1988, another baby girl suffered a similar treatment. At just four years old, she was diagnosed with uh, meningitis. Esther Houston performed three lumbar punctures on her, along with prescribing and changing her meds, which again led to brain damage. The baby survived the event, but had to be placed in a home for cerebral palsy, as she needed continuous medical attention now. Ugh, I mean, not a home for cerebral palsy, a home for people who suffer from cerebral palsy. I hope you guys understand that. But she needed continuous, around-the-clock medical attention. Andre Esterhusen may not have been the reason Kempton Park Hospital closed, but it definitely didn't help the hospital's public image. How had no one ever checked this man's credentials? How was he able to get away with such an elaborate scheme with such delicate lives? Being a pediatrician, right? But here's, here's another thing, right? There is now an urban legend around the hospital where the locals claim after the evacuation of the hospital, tents and soldiers in hazmat suits showed up and began to spray the area with an unknown chemical. They also claim that citizens living on the street beside the hospital just up and relocated or just disappeared never to be seen again. And although there is constant security at the building, the guards are known to give tours for a fee to amateur ghost hunters, rebellious teens, and paranormal investigators. What the hell? Why not? So it's not a huge secret what's in there, obviously. They'll let people go. They say the guards are easily bribed. So that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's to protect anything that's in the hospital. I don't think they give a fuck about what's left at the hospital and on that scene. Something happened there, and they needed that to no longer be a hospital. <clears throat> the hospital now boasts the banner of haunted, as many claim the victims of Dr. Esther Husen can be heard crying in the dead of night throughout the dark and empty hallways. And in 2008... The Haotang Health Department announced they were in a public-private partnership that was going to reopen the hospital as a 270-bed facility. But when studies were conducted to see how much it would cost, roughly 350 million rand, uh, that plan fell through. Then again in 2012, they committed to renovating again and promised the people a budget of 244 million rand for the revamp. That too fell through. Then, in 2016, the former MEC, which stands for Member of Executive Council um, of the Haotang Health and Social Development Department, whose name was Kyudani Malanga, Malanga, made a statement claiming the hospital closed due to limited use and inappropriate location because it was in a residential area. However, all the other hospitals in the surrounding area were reporting that they were extremely overloaded at the time. Interesting note, Kudani Malanga resigned after a scandal involving the death of 143 people at a psychiatric facility in Haotang, caused by starvation and neglect. 143 people died because they basically stopped taking care of them. That's insane. At a psychiatric facility. The Haotang District is no stranger to the courtroom, as they have been involved in countless lawsuits. 
Then a special investigation uncovered 1.2 billion rand in corrupt expenditures within the department from 2006 to 2010. With that knowledge, it seems the most likely scenario of why the hospital shut down so suddenly has more to do with internal corruption and fraud, possibly by someone relocating funds from the hospital. Maybe a government-backed or employed individual who was able to keep their situation quiet and under wraps, perhaps? That's all just conjecture for now. Until someone comes forward with more information, if there even is any. But the hospital now stands empty. Unused except by the hundreds of paranormal investigators and fame thrill-seekers, of course, looking to encounter something life-changing. There are still constant plans talks, and rumors of doing something with the building. Most often, the false hopes of reopening or renovating. But plans so far have somehow or another fallen through. Many locals saying that government corruption is far from over. And until it is, the hospital will remain a still, empty reminder of what once was. That is, that's heartbreaking. You know, maybe the hospital wasn't doing enough business because so many people were dying there. You don't think word gets around that shit? I mean, if people are taking their children there and they're leaving there sick, going there healthy, being born there healthy, living there healthy, and then now they're sick after being treated at the hospital multiple times, you don't think that type of word of mouth gets around? I mean, that's if that is a reason why they quit, if it was just... Because they just didn't have the business. Well, you didn't have the business because it was being run terribly. Understandably so. People don't fuck around with their health. If they have a choice, they're going to drive across town to a hospital with a much better reputation. I believe that. But I believe this hospital was doomed a long time ago. And I think it has something to do with the leadership here in in the, uh, the members of the executive council. And Kidani Malangu. I don't know what all's going on there, um, but there is there is some sketchy stuff going on in this entire medical district here. So, I think it has a lot to do with the uh, fake doctor. I really think it has a lot to do with Esther Hughes, um, because, I mean, come on, the guy was there for eight years. He worked as a doctor for eight years in his hospital. Imagine how much damage he has done. There is no way to financially recover from that amount of damage. This place has to be shut down. It has to be. And now who wants to come in and take over uh, a shitty, run-down, half-fallen-apart hospital? It's going to have to be completely renovated. It's going to need all new equipment now. I'm sure all of that stuff is way outdated. It shut the stores in 97. I mean, come on. And then now they have that reputation as well as always just being that hospital. So, yeah, I don't I don't see anyone doing anything with the Kempton Park Hospital. I've watched videos of it on YouTube. Um, it would be a great place to shoot like a zombie flick. It looks like it's been abandoned forever. There's like vines and plants growing on the steps and windows and stuff. Like it's, It is a crazy scene. It looks like something straight out The Walking Dead. Um, but I just don't see it ever recovering. I don't. I, I think that's all it's going to be now. It's going to be a tourist location. It's going to be a haunted hospital. That might be a something they could do. Turn it into a haunted hospital for Halloween. I mean, damn, that would 
I don't I don't know how big Halloween is in South Africa, um, but if they like it at all, whew, what a way to go about it, right? Every floor you could do a different theme. It's insane. Hospital would be a great haunted house. <laughs> All right, guys. So I hope you enjoyed this. I hope more information comes out about this. This is incredibly interesting. It's also amazing to me that someone in the medical field and with these doing these types of crimes, um, how they get away with them, like Esther Hughes, for instance. Um, this there's no telling how many people this man killed, and he's no different. He's no different than Harold Shipman, for instance. A serial killer doctor who assisted suicide. Called it the Shipman effect. We did an episode on true crime guys about Harold Shipman. This guy is is really no different. A lot worse, actually. He's prying on he's preying on people who are their children. They're just starting in life. Now, whether this guy just had no fucking clue what he was doing, or if he was deliberately hurting people, either way, people deserve to know about these atrocities that take place in medical systems around the world. In places where people have no choice but to put all of their trust in. So, that's why I did this case. I just thought it was a huge wrongdoing to that community, to South Africa in general, and this types of injustice can't stand either. So... All right, guys, so that's my opinion on the uh, Kempton Park Hospital. Let's check in with Lauren on this week's Lauren's Synopsis. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren's Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren's Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren's Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, Break it down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here, here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. The Kempton Park Hospital, which stood nine stories tall and had 350 beds in the heart of Johannesburg, South Africa, was a pillar in the community for 17 years before suddenly closing the doors a day after Christmas in 1997 and leaving all of the equipment inside, millions worth, um, in value. Uh, worth of equipment, all of the patient's files, everything just left behind suddenly as if everyone was in a rush to get out of there. Um, Now, there's a lot that's come out, but it's also kind of shrouded in secrecy. Uh, This is a government-run hospital. Um, They said that they were understaffed. They said, and then there's also reports that um, the, the patient intake had dropped, so it's kind of conflicting because it's like if the patients were going down, the amount of people coming in for help, was going down, uh, but also the staff was going down. Why is the staff going down an issue? It seems like that would, you know, they would offset each other. But um, nonetheless, there's also been a lot of controversy surrounding the staff that was working there, including a doctor named Andre Esterhausen, who was not a doctor, but posed as a doctor for eight years and um, basically killed several babies, for lack of a better way of putting it. I mean, his, his... practices of doing basically spinal taps on these children to test for um, bacteria and for meningitis um, uh, resulted in the deaths of several children. There was a huge lawsuit. The guy's now, or at least was put in prison. I'm not sure if he's even still alive, but 
Um, sounds like they weren't doing the best screening processes for their staff. Um, I tend to believe that this has a lot to do with government corruption. I think government officials that were running this operation with this hospital started pocketing cash rather than funding it, um, leading to staff members being hired like this fake doctor, um, which would lead to terrible patient care, um, potential lawsuits. Um, and then I think as they saw the hospital going down, they just continued to uh, pocket more and more cash, knowing that the hospital was eventually going to close. Um, and when it closed, uh, I think it just happened suddenly because it was the end of the year um, in 1997. Um, I think they just viewed it as it was not going to continue on in 1998. Um, so, yeah, I think this was government corruption. Uh, we've seen it. It's not... It, it's not uh, exclusive to South Africa. It's all over the world. You get government corruption. So that's I think that's where this stemmed from. I think the funding that was supposed to go to this hospital was getting pocketed by politicians, and it just continued to go downhill. And then they had a series of lawsuits and whatnot um, resulting in this. What's, what's bizarre is that you would think that they would um, take this equipment and sell it. I think uh, slowly but surely over the years, though, um, they did send in people to get the equipment. It's just weird how suddenly it happened, like overnight. Um, and apparently throughout the 2000s, there were several occasions where they uh, released to the public information saying that they were going to reopen the hospital, uh, that there was all this money flooding into it, that they were going to, you know, they got all this, I think, tax money to uh, that they were going to pour into this hospital, which never came to fruition, leading me to believe that once again, they pocketed the money that was supposed to go to the hospital. Um, I'm not sure exactly the way that... Uh, the government is ran in South Africa. I don't know a whole lot about it, but as I said, corruption um, is in all in all governments all over the world. Um, power corrupts, as we know. So I tend to believe that's what occurred here. I don't think it's any sort of um, supernatural phenomena or any kind of uh, conspiracy involving some something that leaked within the hospital that uh, caused danger to everyone, and that's why they had to flee or something like that, although it does seem like that. I kind of, you, you got to kind of love these abandoned buildings though, right? It makes, I, I'd like to, I heard the security can be paid off. That'd be kind of a cool thing if you were in South Africa to go check out and walk around. It'd be a little eerie, um, be fun. But yeah, that's my thoughts. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next week. Well, guys, no surprise. Lauren gets the idea again. These are no ghosts or goblins or some weird uh, virus outbreak that made everyone leave the hospital. It's just money again. Just money again. Money and corruption. Things got destroyed. People had to dip out. <clears throat> People's asses had to be covered. And like I said, you can't sue a hospital that doesn't exist, right? Shut that shit down. Helping people is great, but I don't want to go to prison. <laughs> Shut it down. Anyways... Speaking of helping people, guys, if you guys would like to help this podcast, show your support, a great way to do that is patreon.com slash podcast. And for just three bucks a month, you guys can get early access to all of these episodes on Thursdays, as well as Strange Shorts, which will be released on Mondays on the Patreon platform. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to a new patron that's joined in the last uh, week here, Stephanie Smith. Thank you, Stephanie. I think you're also a patron of True Crime Guys, which we appreciate that very much. Uh, double dip in there. Thank you very much for that support. Guys, patreon.com slash podcast. Like I said, that's the wheels of Sandu for right now. 
Um, if you're a Patreon member, you get first dibs and case suggestions and all sorts of things like that. I try to stay up on all of the messages on Patreon as well as comments on posts and whatnot. So I promise, guys, I'm checking those, I'm seeing those, I'm responding when I can. So thank you so much for that support. Number one way to support the show right now. Um, or, of course, you guys can leave a review on wherever you listen, whether it be iTunes or any other podcast player. I know Podcast Addict um, uses iTunes reviews, and if you submit a review on Podcast Addict, it will show up on iTunes, from what I can understand. Um, so I want to give a shout-out to a couple new reviewers this week. Um, let's see here. Listening Maniac said, Love this podcast. Finally, Michael gets to shine. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Listening Maniac. I appreciate that. Um, also, me, myself, and I03 left a five-star review, says, Just as good as TCG, this podcast breaks down synopsises like cardboard boxes. That's right. That's what we do. So thank you so much, me, myself, and I, and also Listening Maniac. Thank you so much, guys, for those reviews the past week. That's a great way to help the show, guys. It's a great way to help other people find the show. Um, also, subscribing, uh, downloading, telling friends. Hit us up on social media, guys. Share our social media at S&UPodcast um, on Twitter, Instagram. You can send me an email at sandupodcast at gmail.com. Either of those avenues would suffice. So, I know this was a little bit of a shorter episode, guys. I know this hospital is something something a little off the radar. I just thought this is the type of thing people need to know about. Uh, I think a lot of times uh, structures in our community like hospitals and police stations and anything that could be government-backed, um, it feels permanent, right? It feels like it can't go anywhere. It feels like it's, it's always going to be there. But yet that rug can be yanked right out from under you. Imagine all the people who are in the community. Imagine all the people who were uh, terminal and in that hospital. The patients. So this, this is a big injustice. And I think that this type of thing needs to have a little light shed on it from time to time. Just because there's not many names that we can put to victims doesn't mean that there weren't victims. A lot. So just wanted to leave you guys with that. So thank you guys for listening. As always, thank you for supporting the show. And I'll see you guys next week with a new strange case. It's a um, an unsolved death of a teenager that has been in the news uh, within the last year. It's gained a lot of publicity. I'm excited about covering this case. So I'll see you guys next week with a new strange and unexplained. Remember, be strange. Just don't be strangers. 